You're listening to The Creation Academy, a weekly podcast defending the truth of God's Word in biblical creation science. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and I'm excited to be this far in. This week, this is episode 13 of The Creation Academy, lesson 13, and we're closing out our series on the basics of creation science. And if you're just joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you here. Uh, really excited about what God is doing here, what God's doing in this podcast. And I really believe that uh, God is helping others to to see the truth, to see the validity of His Word. And if we can just play a, a small part in that, I, I'm just so thankful that God would use us and God would use this ministry. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your prayers. And uh, this is just the beginning, all right? We've got tons of stuff planned. I'm really excited about the future of the Creation Academy. And um, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be really exciting to uh, talk about some of the developments that are happening in our ministry and, uh, and it's going to be awesome. So uh, I don't want to take too much more time before we uh, get right into uh, today's content, talking about how to become an informed biblical creationist. Now, right before we dive in, I want to encourage you to go to my website, steveschram.com. That's steveschram.com, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, slash defend. Okay, so steveschram.com slash defend. And when you go there, it's going to take you to a page where you can enter your email address and sign up for a free email course that I put together called Defend Your Faith with Confidence. Defend Your Faith with Confidence. And I wrote this course specifically for people like me. I am an introvert, okay? I I'm somebody who has a hard time uh, thinking of things off the top of my head. Um, I have a hard time uh, responding to objections off the top of my head, and I've had to learn how to deal with that and how to um, cultivate those skills. And so uh, if, if you're just uh, first getting into apologetics, okay, that's the defense of the Christian faith. If you're being challenged, maybe you're in college and your, your professors are challenging you. Maybe you're in high school and uh, fellow classmates are challenging you. You know, you believe that Bible stuff, um, that stuff was uh, debunked years ago. Okay, if you're getting challenges like that and you're not exactly sure how to respond, then you need to sign up for this course, steveschramcom slash defend. Okay. Go there, put in your email address and you're going to get six emails. Okay. Just six emails, an intro email, four lesson emails over the course of the next four days. And then one final email on the sixth day to close out the course. And you're going to learn about all kinds of things. You're going to learn about creation. You're going to learn how to defend um, the life and, and and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, you're going to learn about uh, morality. Okay, why morality is objective, why the Bible is right about that. You're also going to learn just how to defend the faith, the correct and biblical way to defend the faith against challenges, okay? So you're going to learn all of that. You're going to learn uh, about creation. You're going to learn about everything. Uh, just the real quick basics that you need. Now, we can't go into uh, certainly every topic under the sun, okay? There is uh, so much we could talk about. Of course, we talk about some of that here on the podcast. We talk about some of that on my blog at steveschramm.com, okay? So we cover those subjects, but uh, just to get a basic introduction to learn how to defend uh, the faith, 
you need to get that course. Uh, completely free. All I ask for is your email address, and all we'll do once you sign up for that, uh, once a week we send out um, an email kind of letting you know what was going on this week. It's real short, kind of directs you to the, the post for the week. And I'm thinking about also adding the podcast into that once weekly email as well. Uh, just to announce both at the same time. Okay, so uh, that's all you'll get from me after this first course is just um, you know one uh, one quick uh, little note each week. Okay, and so um, I highly encourage you to sign up for that and start learning now how to confidently defend your faith against challenges because that is what we're here to teach you how to do. All right. So if this is your first time, especially, I highly suggest you go over there. Um, and hang out with us there, and check in on the website, leave comments, uh, you know, this is a community, all right, we want you to get involved, and uh, really have your faith strengthened, okay, around the stuff that we are teaching. Now, uh, I want to mention something else, if you happen to have any questions about something we talk about on the show, um, or, or you have questions about your faith, uh, something's not maybe making sense to you, uh, and you just have questions, Questions are a good thing. Listen to me and listen very carefully. The truth is not afraid of questions. I'm going to say that again. The truth is not afraid of questions. And you need to learn how to ask questions. Uh, my wife and I are raising two little boys, and they're very small right now, okay? Um, not even two years old, neither of them, all right? So they're very, very young. But as we raise them up, we are going to teach them to ask questions, because questions are important. Questions are what leads to the truth, okay? Questions reveal what people believe about the world. Pe uh, questions um, uh, reduce faulty worldviews, okay, uh, down to um, what they believe in, the, the, uh, the absurd conclusions that their worldview uh, believes, okay? So uh, questions are very, very important. And so if you have questions, we encourage them. We encourage them. And what you can do if you have a question about anything we write, a question about anything we talk about on the podcast, feel free to go to my website, stevesram.com, and uh, you'll see in the right-hand side, all throughout the website, there is a blue um, button and it says ask a question and what you can do is just click on that and you can ask any question you want and you can actually um, it, it'll bring up a microphone you can talk right into your computer speaker or, or it even works on, on phones um, and so what you can do is just leave a, a question and you can do it with your voice and uh, if you do that I will assume that it is okay to play your voice on the podcast, okay? And so we'll answer the questions right here on the podcast, and we'll play your voice. I'll say, uh, hey, we've got a question from uh, Bob, and, you know, take it away, Bob, you know, something like that, okay? And, and we'll let you ask the question uh, right here on the podcast. And that kind of uh, brings it down to, to real life. And let me say one more thing about that, why that's so important. Because a lot of times, People have very specific pressing questions and they feel, oh, well, that's already been answered. That's already been dealt with, so I won't ask it. The problem is that you are not the only person dealing with that question. And not only that, but you may have access uh, to this resource, whereas somebody else may not know about it. They, you know, and maybe they're just too afraid to ask, okay, or or something like that, you know. So uh, you just never know how uh, you're asking a question is actually going to affect somebody else who needed to know the answer. I've had that happen to me 
plenty of times in life, okay? So I encourage you to ask those questions. Go on there, hit the ask a question button on my website, send in your question, and uh, and we'll get it answered right here on the Creation Academy. Um, this is an academy, okay? This is where you learn about creation science. This is where you learn about uh, biblical creation and all the different aspects of it. So uh, we want to make that a part of the conversation. We want to talk about that. And uh, don't be afraid to ask your questions because the truth is not afraid of them. I don't care how hard you think it is. Um, if, if there is not an answer, then there is a problem because all truth is God's truth. Okay. And so uh, we are not afraid of that around here anyway. We are going to answer your questions. If we don't know the answer right off, we're going to figure out the answer. We're going to dig in the Bible. Uh, we're going to uh, consult some of the best scientists um, that have ever lived. Okay. And we're going to get their perspective on these things. Um, we want to answer your questions. So I took a long time to say that, but uh, it's just really important to me. And I'm really passionate about that. Don't go through life with unanswered questions. Don't uh, live your faith. Don't try to live your faith in this crazy culture that we live in with unanswered questions questions. The Bible does not endorse blind faith. Christianity is not blind faith. It is trust based on truth. It is trust based on the truth of the Bible. And if the Bible is not true, then we've got big, big problems. But the Bible is true. And because the Bible is true, we can confidently, uh, take a stab at it. We can confidently poke holes whenever we see problems. We can confidently go in and say, what in the world does this mean? What is the Bible talking about? Is it right? Is it true? And if the Bible is true, then it is always going to come on top. It's going to rise above every challenge. It's going to rise above every challenger. You have a faith that you can trust in and uh, in a faith that's very real. And if you have problems, if you have questions, the Bible has answers. Don't be afraid. I hadn't planned on taking that long to, to talk about that, but I, I appreciate you bearing with me. It's something that is very important to me and I'm very passionate about it. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive right in to today's content. We're talking about three steps to becoming an informed biblical creationist. Three steps to becoming an informed biblical creationist. Now, as I've already mentioned, this finishes out our series on the basics of creation science. And the reason we did that series was because I wanted people to be able to go back to the beginning of this show, people who join in for the first time, and I wanted them to be able to go back to the beginning and learn about what we believe, the very basics of why we believe it. And so we did that in a 10-episode series, okay? And or a 10-lesson series, and we looked at that, and uh, we talked about uh, a variety of different things. We talked about flood legends. We talked about um, why we should be excited about uh, creation scientists and and, and, and and mainstream discoveries, new things that happen. We talked about um, the geology of the flood. We talked about why Darwinism does not accurately explain what we know to be true about the world. We talked about many different things at a very high level. Some of those lessons were only 15 minutes long, some were 30, some were close to an hour, okay? We're going to try not to make this one an hour, but it might happen, okay? I'm sorry if so. I'm very passionate about this, and I feel like anybody listening uh, is passionate about it as well. So uh, if you want to leave a good comment, a good review, or a bad comment or a good review, um, you know, 
whatever you want to do, just just reach out to us. Let us know if we're helping you at all, okay? Uh, we just want to be a help and want to be an encouragement to you. And um, again, we're not afraid, okay? We're going to stand up for truth in this dark world. And we have answers, okay? We have answers. And so uh, we need to learn now about how to become an informed biblical creationist. So, um, what you know, what do I mean? What do I mean by that? Well, last week, we talked about creation arguments that we should probably consider uh, to stop using, okay? We should probably uh, not use. And I got a little bit of uh, feedback on on that um, from some people who apparently still supported some of those arguments. And the reality of it is that they say, well, you know, the majority, you know, cannot be trusted or whatever. And, and well, these articles are just written by people to, to be able to take, you know, so you'll take their uh, their side on things and, and yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I realized, okay, that the majority in, in science, the majority does not speak for everybody. I, I, I totally get that. If I didn't get that, I wouldn't argue so passionately about creation science because 97% of the world's scientists all over from every continent, from every country in the whole entire world, 97% do not believe in creationism and believe in Darwinian evolution. That is a fact to this day. So I obviously understand that the majority does not determine the science. However, what we have to look at and what we have to understand is the difference in worldviews. We, the 3% apparently, and not even that, because the 97% is everybody else. The 3% makes up the intelligent design movement, makes up old earth creationists. Young earth creationists are probably a very small percentage of the 3% that is left. Okay, so understand that what we are talking about is a difference of worldviews. We're talking about presuppositions. We're talking about us looking at the evidence and somebody else looking at the evidence with a different worldview and saying, okay, this is what the evidence means based on the worldview. The worldview that we come at it with is, look, the Bible says that the earth was created 6,000 years ago in six literal days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And that's where we get our week. Okay. That is what we teach as young, recent biblical creationists. That is what we teach. And so we are looking at the worldview with an assumption about a range of time, chronologies, okay? We talked about that in one of the past episodes, okay? Um, we're talking about what we believe to be true is an earth that is around 6,000 years old, a little older now, okay? Around 6,000 years old. So we start there and interpret what we see based on that. Of course, the Bible makes sense of what we see when we look at, uh, you know, structures like the Grand Canyon, when we look at the geologic column, when we look at fossilized remains in the ground, when we see things like that, we have a framework within which to interpret that. And that framework is the Bible with its chronology of around a 6,000 year timeline. Okay. Now when somebody else comes from, from their side of the fence, okay, and they're looking at it from uh, maybe an atheistic point of view. Maybe they say, okay, well, they're, they're, the Bible is not true. It's been proven to be wrong and all that. They come at it with their presuppositions, and their presuppositions are that Darwinian evolution is absolutely true. 
and they will say that they don't necessarily believe that, and that is uh, falsifiable, and many scientists, although they haven't come out of the closet yet on it, but many scientists actually believe that, okay? But uh, what they will say is that, no, we cannot question the dates. The dates are right. There's just too much good evidence, astronomy, geology, genetics, biology, they've all come in, the verdict is in, this earth is millions of years old without a question, without a doubt. And so that is the framework within which they interpret the evidence. So then they look at the, the, the Grand Canyon and they say, wow, the Colorado River sure did a number on that Grand Canyon. How long did it take? Well, we think it took about four you know, million years, five million years. And so... Uh, that's how they interpret the evidence. We think it happened rapidly. Uh, for instance, young earth creationists, not all, some, uh, most of the creation science community at least, supports the model of rapid uh, or catastrophic plate tectonics. Okay, So we agree that plate tectonics is not false, that plate tectonics is a, is a true model, except that Rather than the continents always moving as slow as they are right now, about the rate that a fingernail grows, okay, we believe that at one point in time, that movement was drastically different. It was catastrophic because we believe there was a global flood which caused global damage and indeed wiped out everybody on the earth except for Noah and his family. So we look at it one way. And they look at it another way. They come at it with standard plate tectonics, which uh, says that the way things are happening now, the way processes are happening now, is the same way that it happened back then. Okay, so that's their presupposition. This is our presupposition. Now, some have come in and said, well, we believe the Bible to be true, but we also believe what modern scientists say, so let's try a way to fit it in. Okay, let's find a way to try to fit it in. And so... That's where day-age creationism comes from. Gap theory creationism comes from that. Theistic evolutionism comes from that. There are multiple things which have tried to take two ultimate authorities and bond them together, and I'm sorry, but I just don't believe that it works. All right, now, we can argue back and forth about that. You can ask questions about that. I'll give my position. You give yours. That's fine. But that is not what we teach here because we believe that the Bible is the only ultimate authority, and we believe that... Anybody coming to the scripture with no presupposition about dating, about the way the world works, is going to look at that and read and understand a 6,000-year timeline, roughly, given the genealogies and the dates, and a six-day creation, a six-regular-day creation, okay? So that is the two paradigms. That is the two worldviews. And the reality is that science is changing often. We talked about this last week. Science changes often, and sometimes... Uh, models become old and outdated. Now, the truth does not become old and outdated because the truth is found in the Bible. But we can build scientific models and we can we can make predictions based on those models and we can look and see if the numbers work when we're doing science. Creationists can still do science, okay? we, we Just because we ultimately believe that God was the creator of the world, that has nothing to do with whether or not we can still make testable predictions and do science. We absolutely can and we absolutely do, okay? So that is not a problem. Now, getting around to what we're talking about today, in order to make the best case possible for a biblical creation, we need to know how we can become an informed biblical creationist. An informed biblical creationist. Now, I'm, I'm putting a lot of weight on the word informed, and I'm doing that for a very specific reason. Um, 
one of the things that we dealt with last week was, again, these old models. And if we're going to uh, most faithfully defend our faith, we're going to need to at least recognize that uh, we have scientists who are doing good work for our worldview, okay? And the whole reason I went into the discourse that I did a minute ago was that I had some people telling me last week that... Um, you know, the majority, of course, does not mean everything. And, of course, what I said was that, uh, of course, it doesn't because 97% of the world scientists believe differently than we do. But, but they have a different worldview than we do. Now, when we share the worldview with the creation science community, okay, with, with the community that we're considering, we share their worldview, and now... We have a, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably somewhere about the same, just with much smaller numbers. When Let's just go on that. When, when say, we have 97% of the world's creation scientists who accept one thing, and then 3% who accept the other, then we need to start um, questioning that. And it's just good uh, science, it's just good common sense, it's just good discipline to to question that and to kind of say, okay, well, you know, why do, uh, you know, most of the scientists subscribe to this, but but I still don't. Um, uh, let me give you a really good example. And again, I don't want to make anybody mad. That's not my goal here. But I, I just want to call a spade a spade, okay? There are many people who still support hydroplate theory. This is Walt Brown's theory, hydroplate theory. Um, I don't think that that's the most faithful model. However, there are some great, uh, you know, people, some great radio hosts, even who still support this theory. Uh, I, I'll just call them out. I don't think they would mind. Bob Enyard over there at Real Science Radio. I listen to Real Science Radio. I enjoy it. They have a whole segment called Working for Walt Brown because they contend that every scientist in the world is actually working for Walt Brown and confirming his theory. And every once in a while, they bring up that segment and they bring in some pretty convincing looking evidence, okay? But here's the problem. Most of the creation geologists, creation paleontologists, I could start naming names, but it would take a while, okay? So most all of them um, agree with catastrophic plate tectonics. Now, Arguably, it could be because a majority of them were involved in creating the model together. They got together and created the model. But um, uh, who cares? I mean, uh, to, to say that that would be a problem would, would I guess, be some form of, of, of a genetic fallacy. You know, th the thing here is um, that they created a model in, in 1994, and here in 2017, they still think that it is the closest. Now, yes, they recognize that there's problems. Many scientific models that work still do have problems. Um, hydroplate theory has many problems, and to this day, Walt Brown has apparently, according to, to, uh, to, to the Creation Ministries International, according to CMI, they have offered him many chances to come in and submit a technical paper about the hydroplate theory, and he has not accepted that offer. Okay, now here's my point. Here's my point. It is important that we operate with scientific integrity and we use a little bit of good common sense. Now, if we're too afraid to publish our ideas with other peer-reviewed creation scientists who share our worldview so it can be critically examined and gone through, um, then I hesitate to support that kind of model. 
Okay, I'm just I'm just being honest. That's just, that's just the way I'm looking at it. Now you can disagree, and that's fine. I'm not aiming to make you mad. We're just talking here. But the thing about it is that if we're going to be an informed biblical creationist, I think we need to understand what uh, the majority is saying. I think that's important. We need to um, check the validity of our sources. We need to make sure that we are ingesting a wide range of information and parsing through it, and we need to do it in the most faithful way to scripture possible. So that's what we're talking about. Three steps, just three very simple steps to becoming an informed biblical creationist. Now here is what you can do. Step number one is a very, very simple step. And it's one that as a Christian, you should be doing all of the time anyway. Read your Bible. Step number one is to read your Bible. Now here is why. It's because your Bible is the ultimate authority. It is the ultimate authority. When we do science as creation scientists, okay, we are not doing it to try to prove whether or not the Bible is true. And now that may seem kind of silly, We're not trying to prove that the Bible is true. We are trying to demonstrate how the Bible is true. And there's a bit of a difference, okay, in that. There's a bit of a difference. We are not trying to prove it because we already believe it. If we didn't already believe it, then we would have big, big problems, okay? Um, I, I often hear people, and this bothers me, okay? I often hear people who say that if Christianity were to be proven false by science, then they would no longer be a Christian. Now, now follow me out. Hear me out here, okay? I want, I want you to hear me out because they quote scripture for this, okay? They go and they say, well, Paul says that if, if Christ has not been raised, then we are of all men to be most pitied, okay? So they say that if in this modern day of science, if we were able to recover the body of Jesus, and without a doubt we had the body of Jesus, then Christianity would not be true, and that would be a big problem, and that we would have to denounce our faith. Now, here is my problem with that. Now, now don't, don't misunderstand me. I understand what the Apostle Paul is saying there, and he's right. If Christ is not raised, then we've got a problem because we have placed our hope in something that is not true. Now, there is also a problem on the other end because a lot of the proof for Christianity that has been demonstrated um, both historically, um, indeed, scientifically, um, existentially, the fact that a relationship with Christ has dramatically transformed the lives of millions of people over the centuries, we would have some big problems, but Paul is right. If Christ is not raised, we are of all men to be most pitied. We should just eat, drink, and be merry because it's not true. And we ought to believe as Christians in truth. Here is the problem, though. Here is the problem. The problem comes in when we start to mingle up our ultimate authorities, all right? If the Bible is not our ultimate authority, then we are in serious danger of being led astray at the first sign of danger. Here's what I mean by that. Let's think about the Piltdown Man. I mentioned this guy last week, I think, because I can't remember if I did or not. I've I've talked about it recently, um, but I think it's very important, okay? Um, 
Oh, no, it wasn't. It was on a Facebook comment. Okay, sorry about that. It was on a Facebook comment, but this is important. The Piltdown Man, I don't know if you are, are familiar with this, um, and I don't know the whole history behind it, but I'll just give you the brief version. The Piltdown Man was considered a transitional form in evolution, in the in the evolution of hominids, okay, from the uh, whatever shared ancestor that we shared with apes as humans, and now we've become humans and they've become apes. Piltdown Man was one of these transitional forms, okay? And essentially, over 500 peer-reviewed papers were written about this Piltdown Man. People had their hands on it. Scientists studied it. I'm talking about they wrote papers about it, hundreds of them. They were peer-reviewed. This happens all the time. People shout out, well, uh, you know, you don't post in peer-reviewed scientific papers. Well, understand that peer review could be manipulated because the Piltdown Man was a fake. The Chinese people put it together, okay? (laughs) It was a fake. It was not real, all right? It was not real. It was fake. Yet, for many years, indeed, I think over 70 years... That was considered to be evidence, evidence for, for, uh, for evolution, for Darwinian evolution, that we shared a common ancestor with apes. This was touted as evidence for many, many, many years. It had scientific uh, backing all the way, all right? There were articles on the biggest scientific publications in the world about this, and it turned out to be a fake. If that is possible... In this modern day of technology, granted this was years ago, but still, in in this modern day compared to back then in the life of Jesus, okay, how much easier do you think it would be for there to just randomly turn up the body of Jesus? I want you to think about that. Because while, yes, I totally agree that our faith would be in vain if Christ had not been raised— do we really think it would be that impossible for um, evidence to quote unquote arise up? Okay, that 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 there were something historically wrong with the Christian faith. I mean, to the extent that somebody had found the body of Jesus or something like that. I don't know how I got off on all that, but here's what I'm trying to say. I, we, we need to honor what the Bible says on that. Of course we do. However, we need to be careful who our ultimate authority is. Because the reality of it is that in this modern day, it's not so hard to imagine that some kind of devastating evidence could turn up that the Christian faith is not true, when in reality, the evidence that was found is a fake. Because it's happened before. It's happened before. And so if it happened before, it can happen again. All I'm trying to say there is that the Bible is our ultimate authority, and all truth is God's truth and the creation science is not used to determine the truth because the Bible has already done so. We're just simply trying to figure out how the world works. And I think that's okay. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's also the beginning of wisdom. It is okay to have a thirst for knowledge. It is okay to take what we know about the world to be true and figure out how it works. That is perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with doing science, okay? Nothing wrong with doing science. But we have to place it all in context. And that context is the truth of the Bible. Here's a quote from Ken Ham, and then I'm moving on. I really like this quote. What I believe, this is Ken Ham speaking, what I believe about the young age of the earth comes out of taking the Bible as written. As I've said numerous times over the years, that the age of the earth, for example, is not a salvation issue, but an authority issue. And that is so true. 
None of us, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying that you cannot be saved if you do not believe in a young earth creation. However, I am saying that there is a problem in your authority of scripture. And I know there's arguments against that. Uh, people throw out church fathers before evolutionism was, was a, you know, that, that who believed in uh, an older earth. And there's arguments that get that, and we can talk about that sometime. Okay, I find that a lot of times the data is being very uh, cherry picked in order to come up with some of those conclusions. Okay, um, a plain reading of scripture has been said by many of the church fathers, by many of the day, those in the days going by, the reformers and, and such, um, that the belief is a six literal twenty four hour day creation about six thousand years ago. Okay, so. Um, if we didn't cherry pick, we would probably find that there were uh, plenty of people who held both sides of the argument, and the ones who didn't were certainly um, influenced by the Greek philosophy of the day. We don't have time to go into all that, uh, but that's what the history shows, okay? So the first way to become an informed creationist is simply to read your Bible. Find out what the Bible has to say about creation, and then uh, go with that. And if you're going to become a scientist, that's great. If you're just a lay person, you're going to learn more about it, that's great. But never sacrifice uh, what you know to be true about what the Bible says on the altar of science. Science does not inform the Bible. The Bible informs science. And we've seen that over and over again when the Bible makes a claim about the world that modern science didn't know to be true until many, many, many years later. And if they had just consulted the scripture, they would have come to these realizations much sooner than they did. So, read your Bible. That is the first step to becoming an informed biblical creationist. Step number two is to avail yourself of resources. Avail yourself of resources. There are so many young earth creationism uh, resources in this day. Um, We have amazing organizations who have dedicated their, their lives and their missions and their ministries to bringing in more information about this subject, okay? Um, there is a just a ton of stuff out there, and I've got a list, and, and you can find the majority of this list in the show notes as well, okay, with links. So if you're interested to learn more about any of these resources, you can go to my website or into the podcast show notes, okay, and just uh, click on the links and check out some of these different organizations. So uh, I want to just mention a few of these. We're going to go kind of quick. I might say a little bit about uh, one or two of them, and we're going to move on. Okay, first I want to talk about the journals, the journals. So there are, believe it or not, real peer-reviewed scientific journals in play by creationists. The three probably uh, top ones that that most everybody is familiar with and, and talks about, there are three of them. There is the Answers Research Journal. Okay, that's put out by our friends at Answers in Genesis. Okay, the Answers Research Journal. Then there is also the Journal of Creation, the Journal of Creation. This is put out by CMI, Creation Ministries International. You can find them at creation.com, okay? That's the Journal of Creation. And then there is also the Creation Research Society Quarterly, and that is, of course, put out by the Creation Research Society, okay? Three scientific peer-reviewed journals that are by Young Earth Creationist Organizations. Now, You're going to, anytime you use from those sources, you are going to find people who say, well, those are not real scientists. Those cannot be real journals because they don't accept real science. 
couple things going on there. They're actually using two logical fallacies. I've dealt with this on the internet just the other day. There are plenty of people who still use that kind of argument, and they're committing two logical fallacies, okay? The one is called equivocation. What they are doing is equivocating on the word science and using it to mean evolution. So here's what they say. If they were being consistent, if they were being intellectually honest, this is what they're saying. You don't believe evolution. Evolution is settled science. Therefore, you don't believe in science. Therefore, you cannot have a scientific journal that means anything. That's exactly what they say. All right? So... You know, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just calling a spade a spade, okay? These are legitimate peer-reviewed scientific journals. By the way, they do invite dissenting opinion. If you do not agree with them, they are happy to allow you to respond in their journal, and they will offer a rebuttal, okay? Uh, they want you to interface with them. Unfortunately, despite plea after plea after plea, many mainstream scientists just won't bother, they say it's because they believe that, you know, we, it's just not worth talking to a young earth creationist because we cherry pick the science and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But it's not true. The fact of the matter is that they just won't participate in our peer review. And I think it's because a lot of times they're afraid to. They don't say that. They would never admit that. But I think it's the truth. When the truth starts to confront you, it makes you very, very uncomfortable, okay? And so um, every now and then we see that somebody actually does go ahead and write in, okay, and um, make their opinion known, and we see a response to that, okay? But it doesn't happen as often as we'd like to see it, all right? So we do have peer-reviewed scientific journals, and... They are put out by creationist organizations. Now, I started to mention logical fallacies. Okay, so they, quit, uh, they, they, they um, use the fallacy of equivocation when they're talking about science as evolution. Okay, they also use something called the no true Scotsman fallacy. This is a logical fallacy. And here's what happens when this occurs. So uh, basically, we say, all right, well, here is a peer-reviewed scientific journal. We, we, somebody asks and says, is that a peer-reviewed article? Well, yes, it is. Here it is. Okay. So we say, yeah, here it is. And they come back to us with, well, no, that's not really a peer-reviewed scientific journal because you're not using a real uh, trusted scientific resource. Now, when they say... Or, or they might say something like an established or a um, accepted or an acceptable scientific journal. Now, <laughs> again, when they say that, all they are really saying is that it's not a journal that supports their worldview, and so therefore it's not acceptable. They're not real scientists because they don't support science, which is evolutionism in their mind. It's all the same thing. That's extremely unfortunate, but it's true. They're kind of mixing these two fallacies together, the fallacy of equivocation and the no true Scotsman fallacy. Those are logical fallacies, okay? So don't let them get away with that when talking about peer-reviewed scientific journals. But uh, the point is you need to read these journals. You need to stay informed about what, what is being entered into these journals, what scientists are saying. Now, sometimes they can be hard to read. If you're not interested in the technical versions of them, that's fine. Sometimes on Answers in Genesis website, for instance, they'll post a non-technical version. Every now and then when somebody makes a breakthrough, they'll post a technical um, 
papers on it, and then they'll write a popular level book. So just at that point, the resource extends out to the books that they write. Um, so that's another way to get in on it. But uh, the journals are certainly a good way to keep up with the latest and greatest in uh, creation science news. All right. Uh, the other thing you should do is you should follow creationist organizations. Now, there are some organizations that are um, better than others. When I say better than others, it's all part of what I mean by becoming an informed biblical creationist. And when we talk about step three, we will um, kind of dive in on how to differentiate between some of those. But right now, we're just talking about availing ourselves of resources. Um, here are five resources that I would personally be comfortable recommending to you. Okay, because of the research that I've done on them and because of some of the discernment that I have used. And so these are uh, five of the ones that I would highly recommend. Number one is, of course, um, CMI, the Creation uh, Ministries International. Found them at creation.com. Okay, they are a very prestigious creation organization. They've been around for a long time. They have a lot of scientists working for them. They post in peer reviewed journals. They are intellectually honest and they do a great job at defending God's word. I would highly recommend CMI. Then I would also highly recommend AIG. Some people don't know, but those two organizations used to be all under the Answers in Genesis umbrella. One was in the US, one was in the UK. Don't have time to go through all of that, but um, Answers in Genesis, of course, they've got the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter up there in northern Kentucky, which in a couple weeks, maybe even next week, um, I'm going to be doing a review on. So uh, be stay tuned for that. I'm excited about that. But um, Answers in Genesis is a great resource, intellectually honest. They'll admit when they're wrong. Um, and, and I love the guys over there. They're doing a great job. All right. Now, um, the third one is the Institute for Creation Research or ICR. Um, arguably, they are the uh, one of the oldest, if not the oldest um, creationist resources. All right. The Institute for Creation Resource uh, for creation research, excuse me, uh, founded by none other than Dr. Henry Morris. And of course, if you've been a creationist for any period of time, uh, you know who Dr. Henry Morris is. We call him the father of, um, modern, uh, creation science. And so it's really, really a great organization to be following. Currently his son is the CEO of that. So I would follow them. Then I would follow the biblical science Institute, the Biblical Science Institute, BSI. Okay, now this is a very, very brand new organization, and it is uh, founded by Dr. Jason Lyle. Dr. Jason Lyle. He is an astrophysicist and astronomer and uh, just an absolutely brilliant guy who used to be the head, uh, the director of research for the Institute of Creation Research. And he has worked with, of course, uh, Answers in Genesis and CMI over the, over the years, uh, some of the other big players, okay? And uh, so I would highly recommend him. He is a, a brilliant guy, written tons of books, and this is a new ministry that I would highly recommend you supporting and following after him. Uh, he really knows his stuff. He really does. And so this is a new organization, but um, they can definitely be trusted. That's for sure. Okay, fifth and last. Now, this is a little bit different. Um, an organization known as Creation Today. Creation Today. If you're familiar with the Hovens, this is Eric Hovens' ministry. Okay, Creation Today. And they are getting ready to come out with a... Um, new movie. Now, now here's why I say this. I'm not so sure that you can go to their website. Uh, there is there is on their website some great resources on there, but I have not availed myself to them, all right? Um, as, because a lot of times they point back to the um, 
to the research organizations for their uh, for their content, and that's okay. Uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I would just say they're kind of like what I do with my podcast and my blog. I, I am not a scientist. I am not an expert on these subjects. Um, I just simply uh, know how to study, know how to do my research, and know how to discern truthfulness. And so I like to be a megaphone for those who are doing the research. Now, Creation Today is very much a megaphone company. They're not a, a research institute of any kind, okay? So... Um, that's not what they are. They're just a megaphone, but that's okay. We need them too, and and I'm one, so I'm going to say that I, you know, I, I kind of feel like I have a place uh, in this community. And if you don't feel that way, then uh, I apologize, and you can let me know about that, okay? But uh, but I feel I have a place, and I feel Creation Today is one of those organizations who has a place because this information needs to get out to as many people as possible. And the reason that I mention them is because they have got a movie coming out, and it's going to be in theaters one night. Well, I say one night only, but uh, it was actually just announced that it's going to be two nights only, okay? Now, I want to let you know about this. Uh, November 13th and November 16th, 2017, there is going to be a one-night showing each of those nights, so a two-night showing technically, all right, um, of the Genesis Paradise Lost. It's a 3D movie about Genesis, lots of support uh, from these other scientific organizations in there, and a lot of them have been announcing it, and so it is very important, and um, that's kind of this organization putting themselves out there on the map uh, as far as um, in the mainstream goes, so um, I did want to give them a mention because that important movie is coming up, and I highly suggest that you get out to see it, okay? Um, Next on the list is books, all right, books. There are so many creation books, I I could just list them all day long. a lot of the scientists who work for these other organizations have put out great books. Head on to Amazon.com and just search for Creation Science. You are going to find a ton of great material. Read after these scientists, and uh, you are going to just be blown away at what some uh, of these scientists are doing. Uh, I just bought a book on my recent trip to the Creation Museum called Replacing Darwin, The New Origin of Species. It's a, a book on genetics uh, by Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, who does indeed work for Answers in Genesis, and it is a great, great book so far. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. I'm also reading one uh, by some of the guys over there at Answers in Genesis, and it's kind of a combined effort of different organizations coming together, but it's called Searching um, for Adam, okay, and it's kind of compiled and edited by Dr. Terry Mortensen over there at Answers in Genesis, and so I'm reading those two right now and some other ones. I highly recommend you get some good creationist um, books. If you're not sure which ones are out there, the best place would be to check the resource libraries of these ministries, CMI, AIG, ICR, BSI, Creation Today even has some good books out there. So um, any of the books that these guys are selling are to be highly recommended, okay? So I would jump on there, all right? Uh, Here's a little different one, Facebook groups. Facebook groups, all right? I'm a member of a couple of Young Earth Creationist Facebook groups, and... I find that they're great. They build up my faith. Uh, I've met a couple people on there. They help me answer questions when I have questions. Um, It's really good to be plugged into this community, okay? So I highly recommend. Now, there's two of them that I recommend. I want to mention them both. One is the um, Young Earth Creationists uh, Coalition, okay? Young Earth Creationists Coalition. And so uh, you should look up that one. And then also the Biblical Creation Group, the Biblical creation group, okay, Um, and that is, uh, the admin for that one is uh, Mike Moore, okay, is his name, and uh, he's a great guy, I talked to him a couple times, so uh, you need to jump on those groups, now the biblical creation group is not 
limited in its membership to young earth creationists, but that is what the official stance of the group page is. Most of the people in there, I would say, are young earth creationists, but every now and then you've got a mix of people and they're they're offering their opinions and going back and forth, and that's okay. It's a good place to learn. Remember, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, the truth is not afraid of questions, so... That's not a problem at all. All right, so I highly uh, encourage you to join that one. Also, again, the Young Earth Creationist Coalition. Um, that one is all Young Earth Creationists, so that one's a good place to go in there and get your faith built up with people who believe like you. All right, um, next is podcasts. Podcasts are another great resource. I would be um, remiss not to mention the Creation Academy, all right? Um, you know, this is our podcast, and tell your friends about it. We enjoy it. We we, we like doing what we're doing, and uh, we want to hear your feedback on content. We want to hear your questions. Um, I know these last few episodes have been a little different, more, um, more uh, you know, conversational necessarily than, than scientific uh, in their content, and of course, that's for a good reason, because I feel like these are things that need to be talked about, um, but the Creation Academy, okay? Tell people about it. All right, then science, scripture, and salvation. This one is put out there by the Institute for Creation Research. It's kind of sporadic. They don't uh, release on any kind of specific schedule, um, but it is a good show, and they talk. Uh, it's very structured. It's actually a radio program that is adapted for podcast, um, as I find that most of these are, um, believe it or not. And so uh, I do highly suggest that one. They talk about uh, a lot of good science on there, okay? Then there's Real Science Radio. I mentioned that a little earlier in the show uh, by uh, Bob Enyard, okay, Dr. Bob. And uh, he and, uh, you know, for the life of me, it's escaping me, the other guy's name who, who co-hosts the show with him. Um, but they're, they're, they're good people. I disagree with some of, of course, what they, what they put out there. But for the most part, they got some good stuff, all right? They, they, they call it like it is. And, uh, and they're straight shooters. They're good people. And, uh, and they've got a good show out there talking about uh, real science, of course, debunking evolutionism. So, um, of course, our show is a little bit more about offering a better way, okay? We don't, we don't necessarily talk about debunking evolution so much as we do um, the developments, okay, to be found in creation science uh, in the community. Um, but nonetheless, we got to have it both ways, okay? We got to have people who do one and, and some who do the other. So, a very valuable resource, okay? And there's also answers with Ken Ham. It's very short, it's a, like a minute long each day, all right? And that's another one. Of course, it's a radio program adapted for podcasts, and it just kind of goes on a weekly theme each week, and, um, and they give some good content on there, really quick and digestible. And lastly, I want to mention Answers News. Answers News. Now, this is from Answers in Genesis, and uh, this is actually not a podcast. Now, what they do is they have on their YouTube channel on Mondays and Thursdays at 2 p.m., they do a live broadcast from Legacy Hall there in the Creation Museum, and they take about 30 minutes. It's usually Dr. Georgia Purdom, uh, Ken Ham, and then Bodie Hodge, all uh, from the Creation Museum and Answers in Genesis on a panel, and they go over and they talk about some of the latest um, in the news, news articles uh, against creationism or that support evolutionism, and they kind of talk about them and, and um, help the audience to uh, understand kind of the language that the mainstream uses and, and how we can interpret that as creationist. And it, it's just a great show. Now, I have used a tool called PodSync. You can find that at podsync.net. And you can actually take your YouTube feed um, and turn it into a podcast. And if you're not a techie, I'm sorry about that. I kind of am. I'm a nerd on this stuff. Uh, but to make it easy for you, I have uh, included the link in the show notes for how to use that um uh, resource, okay? So not how to use it, but I've actually included the link that I made for Answers News to where you can just plug it right in to your podcast 
um, application, whatever it is, you can go to a place on there that says enter URL and you can enter in that URL and it will pull in the answers um, in Genesis feed from YouTube. So I highly recommend you do that. All right. I got... um, Two more quick things. All right, you can uh, check out. This is cool on Facebook. Go to is Genesis History. Um, dot com. Okay, I, I said on Facebook because this is where I was exposed to it. But but you can actually just go to is Genesis History. dot com. Again, I got the link in the show notes and. You should look for their uh, is Genesis History conference video. Now listen here. This is a. A dynamite, dynamite buy. It's only ten dollars. It's only ten dollars, and you get. 70, over 70, excuse me, creationist lectures from the Is Genesis History concert featuring scientists that were in the movie and even some other ones. Um, And if you haven't seen Is Genesis History, the documentary, it's on Netflix. I would recommend you go watch it, okay, or buy it uh, from their website. I think it's $12 or $13, okay, buy that too. It is a great documentary. But the scientists from that documentary got together and did the Is Genesis History conference. And it is dynamite. It is some really great, deep, in-depth scientific um, information from many scientists from many different fields of creation research, archaeology, astronomy, biblical studies, geology, biology, uh, genetics. It's all over the map. I mean, just some absolutely great material for $10. I, stop what you're doing and go buy it. It's so worth it. You can watch it right there online, streaming. Um, it, it's absolutely great. I, I highly recommend you go get that. And then lastly, uh, notable scientists. Just latch on to some good creation scientists that are doing some good work. Again, most of them are involved with some of these other organizations. Um but uh, even though um, you know you may find that some of them are not, that's okay. There are some really, really good ones who um, who are doing good work, okay, in their fields, and latch on to them. I, I, I like to follow a lot of the ones from the Is Genesis History Conference, okay. Um, that's what I highly, highly recommend you do. Um, and, and go on there and follow like Dr. Todd Wood, Dr. Kurt Wise, Dr. Andrew Snelling, Dr. Steve Austin, Dr. Danny Faulkner, um, Dr. Uh, Steve Boyd. The list goes on and on. Follow these guys. They're doing great work in their fields. And uh, Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, he's another one I mentioned, that book I bought earlier. Uh, just, uh, just, just dive in. Uh, get interested in this. Dive in and find yourself some good scientists to follow. Get yourself that video. Get on the podcast, Facebook group, creationist organizations, read the journals, become an informed biblical creationist. That's what I want you to do. And then lastly, just before we close out here for the week, I want to give you the third and final step to becoming an informed biblical creationist. And here it is. Question everything. Question everything. We talked about this a little bit in the beginning. Okay. I said, the truth is not afraid of questions. And I said that I'm going to raise my kids to learn how to question things so that they can find the truth. Question everything. If one big hole can be poked in the argument, listen to this. If one big hole can be truthfully poked in the argument, then the argument does not point to ultimate truth. Keep searching. Keep searching. And this is why I have a problem when people get hung up on all arguments because they sound good, that if nobody in the sciences accepts them and they share your worldview, then there's probably something wrong with them. 
okay? And that's not being mean, and that's not discrediting what people in the past have believed, but sometimes in order to move forward, we have to let go of old ideas so long as we're still accepting the ultimate truth that is to be found only in the pages of God's Word. If you can poke a hole in the argument, it does not point to ultimate truth, and you should keep searching. Now, Should we develop models that aren't fully complete and that have problems? Yes. I'm not saying give up. I'm saying keep searching, okay? If it's it's not working and it's just completely falsifiable, then give it up, okay? But if, if it's a good model, if it explains 90 things and you need 10 more things to be explained, okay, it's probably a good idea to keep working on it. Keep figuring it out. But, but question everything. So, Question everything I've told you. All of these resources that I told you, uh, they're not, but they could be complete flops. They could be absolutely unreliable. But how will you know unless you question, unless you do the research for yourself and find out? Don't take anyone's word for it. Question everything. And when I say question everything, I should have said question everything except the Bible. Now, I'm not saying not to ask questions about the Bible. It's fine. We, We you know, let's not put words in my mouth. That's okay. But what I'm saying is we believe the Bible and we're creationists because we believe the Bible is true and is God's word. So let's use that as our foundation and then build our science off of that. The Bible should inform science, not the other way around, because the Bible is a truthful history book. I've often said that the Bible is not a scientific textbook, thank God, because those change. Rather, the Bible is a scientific truth book. It's also a historical truth book. So we need to realize that the Bible has a certain place in our methodology, and we need to place everything else that we know in context to the Bible. That's what we need to do, okay? So those are our three steps, and it took a little while for me to get there, but that's it. Read your Bible, avail yourself of the resources because there are plenty of them, more propping up every day, but then question everything. Make sure that what you are reading is true. If it's from a source that there is questionable truthfulness, uh, maybe you should consider not following that source anymore. If you find a source that is true, and the source that does seem to be true is um, saying that maybe you should not trust this other source that maybe doesn't sound quite right, then that might be a good sign. Um, Pray about it. Don't just do this humanistically. Pray about it. Pray if you should be following some of these uh, ideas or some of these people who who don't have a place anymore in in um, in the greater scientific community. I, I, again, I'm not trying to be mean, but there are false teachers in every area, and this is one of those areas. So let's make sure that we're questioning things, we're availing ourselves of good resources, and we're reading our Bible, okay, so that we can be informed creationists, so that when people ask us, we are ready to give an answer, to, to give people the reason of the hope that is within us, and to do it with meekness and fear. As the Bible commands us to do. We can't do this if we have our, um, uh, if we're sitting on our hands and if our head is buried in the sand. We must become informed and we must make sure that we are accurately representing the faith that we hold to be true and the God that we hold to be Father. Thank you 
so much for listening again on this week to, uh, of the Creation Academy, okay? I'm excited because next week we're, we're going into something completely new, uncharted territory, okay? We're outside of our basics of creation science um, uh, introduction, and so we're going to be doing something completely different. I'm not even quite sure what yet, but it's going to be exciting. And I pray th- uh, and, you know, just hope that you'll hang on with us. And, um, again, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what's working. Tell us what's not working. Uh, steveschramcom slash defend go there so you can sign up for the course uh, defend your faith with confidence and and i pray that you will join us next week right here on the creation academy but let's do as we always do and close with a word of prayer dear heavenly father we certainly do love you tonight and we thank you for allowing us to be able uh, to examine these truths about your word and also your world father it's amazing that you would uh, allow us to um search these truths, Lord, and to to search out uh, the depths of your knowledge, Lord. It's amazing that you've given us the ability to do this in our human life and, and that we're made in the image of God. It's just absolutely astounding to us, Lord, that you would entrust this world and this earth to us, Lord. And I know that many times we fail you and many times we don't do as we should. And many times, Lord, we let you down. But Father, I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you that you've never, ever once failed us or let us down or given up on us. Father, we love you and we pray that you will just keep us and bless us, Lord, until this next week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.